Thanks for being here. Uh, if you're brand new, it's an honor to have you. If you're wondering why I've got this vest on, it's not because I'm trying to burn some extra calories. It's not a flap jacket. It's not, a, uh, it's not one of those, uh, those, those Kevlar vests, so I'm not worried about it. nobody get worried or anything like that. It's part of the message. We'll get there in a few minutes. But if you're brand new, it's an honor to have you. We are in a series that's around our strategy, and I'm excited about doing this. And this word today that we're going to talk about is a word that if you read that, it, without, that without the graphic being so big there for the word unleash, you would gloss right over that word. You wouldn't even notice it. You would just blow right past it and go, building people unleashed to pursue Jesus in community on a dangerous mission. That's what you would hear. That's how, that's how you would say it. Your, your mind may not even capture this understanding of what this word unleashed means. And if you've got your outlines today, go ahead and grab them. We're going to dive in, and, and I want to make sure that we get around this concept today. I will tell you, today's not easy. I wish I could say, hey, it's just this. If you just did this, then this would happen. It's not. You're going to wrestle today. Some of you are going to wrestle really hard today because it's not easy. Some of you, this is exactly why God called you to be a part of our church, maybe today or maybe forever because of what we're going to talk about today. Not because I feel so much uh, unbelievable passion about this sermon in particular, but the truth that's going to be found in what we talk about as we, as we, as we walk through this idea of what it means to be unleashed. If you were here early enough in church, like when it started, you heard Lauren talk about the idea of what unleashed means. And I'll just kind of give you some words around the, the word unleashed. It means to let loose. It means to unbridle. It means to release. It means to unrestrict. It means to let the dog off the chain and let him run, let him hunt. It means to be set free. And the reality is there's a lot of us in here that, 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 that believe in our hearts that Jesus died on a cross and he forgave us of our sins, but we still hold on to things that, that in, in, in inhibit us, that keep us from running the, the way that we're supposed to run. And we carry things that we should never carry. We carry them for far too long. The gospel is not simply about you being forgiven. It is about you being free. It's about us being free, unleashed people who chase his purposes in the world. And here's the deal. I think that this word unleash is actually the crux of the problem and also the joy that's found in Christianity. I think there's a lot of people that go, you know what, I believe the cross. I believe what he did on the cross. I believe that he took my place on the cross. I believe that, that it was his perfect substitutionary atonement. His death for me allowed me to be forgiven, but yet not free. He's forgiven me, but i got to carry it. He's forgiven me, and even though he tells me I get a new identity that I'm no longer my past, I still feel like I have to carry it. I have to run with it. I have to try to run with it. Or I have to just, if I could just take another step with what I have uh, from my past in my life. And, and our past just lives in the present and it dictates and impacts and destroys our futures. It does. And it keeps us from running the race that he's called us to. I love the Bible. There's so much, if, if you're a dude and you love sports, there's so much action, metaphor, warlike stuff, running, boxing, whatever. Uh, Paul talks about this, and this is not our main text for today, but it kind of just kind of set us off. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, it says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Okay? If you're running a marathon, you may get a medal, but you don't get the winning medal. Right? And I know the society that we live in, Paul didn't have that society back then. But, but everyone races in a race, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. There's discipline. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Verse 26, therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. 
I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Paul takes this seriously. And he wants us to take the Christian life seriously. We're called to run. Run with purpose. Run with perseverance. Run uh, on, on, uh, with, with meaning. Run toward a, a desired destination. Not just to run anywhere, but to run the, the race marked out for us. And Paul says this in Philippians 3.14. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul encourages us to not give up, to not quit. Some of you today, you're ready to quit Jesus because it's hard and it doesn't make sense. And hopefully today this will be a little bit more insightful as we think about Christianity and and walking with Jesus. Here's the thing. If you came in today and you're brand new and you're trying to figure out Jesus, Christianity, the Bible, let me just go ahead and tell you up front, it's hard. It's hard. Some people say, well, Christianity is a crutch for weak people. No, no, no. It's hard. It's hard. When people go through sickness, it's hard. When people go through unbelievable, unexplained circumstances, it's hard. It's hard with Jesus. It's hard without Jesus. I don't know how people do it without Jesus, but we're called to run this race. And here's what Paul says, and again, we won't get into every part of his story today. Uh, what we know is that Paul was a guy who hated Jesus, and then he met Jesus, and Jesus changed his life. And then, and then Paul became this, this missionary, this, this, this herald for the gospel. He, he began to share the, the, the gospel with, with three, through three missionary journeys, started churches, uh, met people, uh, was significant, was the Billy Graham of that day, more significant. More than half of the, the New Testament is written by this guy named Paul. Here's what he says. This is my hope for me, for you. This is what I want said at my funeral. Okay, these 16 words if there's anything else said, wonderful but I definitely want these 16 words said 2 Timothy 4, 7 I have fought the good fight I have finished the race, I have kept the faith I want that and I want that for you and I'm not here to promise you that it's going to be easy, that they're going to be unicorns and snowflakes and all this wonderful thing. Just from fun. No one's ever, you know, when people say that, I don't think they even understand or have read the Bible. Even when pastors say that, from, from, maybe you've seen stuff on TV and you go, you know, it just sounds like if you follow Jesus, you have faith and everything just works out. You become healthy, wealthy, and, and it's just awesome. No, it's not. No, it's not. Read the scriptures. It's hard, but it's worth it. The Bible makes comparison to running a race like living your life for God. And here's the deal. If you've ever run a race, whether it's been a short race, a long race, a, a 10K, a, a half marathon, a marathon, maybe some of you have been crazy on that, you've done other things, you, what you know is regardless of how far it is, you know that it gets hard. It's exhausting. There are times where you can get disoriented. You don't even know where you are, what you're doing. You don't even know why you're still doing this. In your head, there's this, there's this thought, can I, can I keep doing this? Should I keep doing this? Do I want to keep doing this? I just want to stop. That's how we feel. And there are times in the, in the Christian life, there are moments where that happened, and it happened to people who followed Jesus in the first century all the time. And here's the reality. You, you know this. You didn't have to come in here this morning to find out that, you know what, there are plenty of times in life that as a Christian, if you've done this, done this longer than like three weeks of following Jesus, you know that there are moments where you go, you know what, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I, don't know if I have what it takes. I'm not sure that God is really going to follow through and do what he says he's going to do. And you've been tempted to quit. And you wouldn't raise your hand today. 
But you know what that makes you? Normal. Scott, have you ever wrestled with that? Yes, all the time. Yes. There are moments where I go, Lord, can we do this? Can I do this? Do I have what it takes? Are you enough? Are you going to follow through? This is what you said. You, are you going to, is this going to happen? Are you going to actually do what you say you're going to do? Moments in my life. In your notes, it all starts with this word, faith. And I don't mean just intellectual belief. I don't mean, hey, I, do I believe that there's a God out there? I mean trust. I mean relationship. I mean I, I know him. I trust him. I'm going to put all my weight on that relationship because I believe that he is good, wonderful, a savior, and he's Lord. He's a promise keeper, and he's faithful. And I'm going to put everything that I know on him. There is no good plan B. Plan A is it, and there's no plan B. It's faith. It's the kind of faith that God's looking for. It's the kind that keeps us running. It's the kind of faith that, that God desires. And the reality is there are moments where we struggle. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence, circle that word, in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. Big words. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. That's what trust is. We're trusting in a God that we cannot see, that we know that has come, that is here, that is moving, that is active, and that will follow through with what he says he's going to do. Here's another definition for that. It's this in your notes. Faith is living with the the, the confidence that God is who he says he is and trusting that he will do everything that he's promised to do. Not just in someone else's life, not just in that person's life, not just in Jordan's life, but in my life putting all my weight on him. Regardless of whether, whether I like it or not, whether I like the circumstances in, whether it makes sense or not, whether I can connect all the dots in my life, I am going to put my trust. My conviction falls in this. I'm going to trust God regardless because of who he is and what he's done. If you've got your Bibles today, we're going to look at one passage, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. If you want to go there, go there. It's in your notes. It's going to be on the screens as well. We're just going to live in this passage, try to dig out and see what God has to say to us about this word, unleashed. It's written to some Christ followers. I'm not sure who the author is. Some people say it's Paul. Uh, some people say Apollo. Some people say multiple people. I'm not sure who the author is, but it, uh, the, the fact is the author of Hebrews has a lot to say to Christ followers who struggle with life. Who struggle with faith, who, who wrestle with, is God going to really do what, what he says he's going to do because of the circumstances that are going on around me and the internal struggles that I have inside of me? That's kind of the wrestling match that we're going to talk about today. This letter is written to some people that love God, that, that, that believed in God, but got confused. They got disoriented about this whole God thing. They saw Jesus when he came, and he talked about, hey, listen, we're going to have this new kingdom, and, and, and there's going to be this beautiful thing, new life in me, and there's going to be this new kingdom. So they thought, you know what? Jesus is coming. He's going to overthrow this powerful government called Rome, and he's going to become king. He's going to set up and establish a new government. And you know what? When he becomes king, life's going to be better. And he's, he's talking about these things metaphorically and not literally, and because of that, they got confused. And then Rome killed Jesus, and they didn't know what to do. But I, th- I thought he was going to do this. But Jesus, you said. And they didn't know what to believe. And then three days later, Jesus arose from the grave. And they went, oh, 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 oh. I get it. I still believe. And then Jesus hung around for about 50 days. 
And he talked with them, and he, he shared with them some things, and he, and he showed them uh, that he was really alive bodily, that it was a bodily resurrection, and, and he walked around and, and did different things with them. And, and, and then he said, hey, listen, here's the deal. I'm going to leave, and I'm going to return to my Father, and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and we're going to set up this beautiful thing called the church, and, uh, and then I'm going to come back for you. And I, I really resisted to go Arnold Schwarzenegger on you right then. I'll be back for you, right? The chopper. Anyway, but, but I didn't really resist it. Anyway, but, but when they heard the words, I'll be back, they thought he'll be right back. Like, like don't buy green bananas right back. Like, like, go ahead and quit your job right back. Like, don't go planning that vacation three months from now right back. He's coming right back. Don't worry about what, what's happening in our culture. Don't worry about the things that are going on because Jesus is coming right back. And you know what? He didn't come right back. I mean, if you read this book, you'll find out that people actually quit their jobs. Like they grabbed a a lawn chair and went, you know what, I'm just going to look up in the sky and try to figure out where Jesus is coming back from. Right back. Days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, months turn into years, years turn into centuries, and, and people got discouraged. Maybe Jesus wasn't really who he said he was. Maybe he couldn't really do what what, what he promised he would do, and they got confused and they got frustrated. That's who this book is for. In fact, Jesus even said while he was here, hey, listen, it's going to be better. And when they thought better, they thought, well, life will be easier. And, and the fact that life wasn't easier, it actually was harder if you followed Jesus. And, and there are plenty of times, even after when Jesus died and he, and he resurrected and then he ascended, you know, Rome built this big Colosseum. If you, you know, done some history work, you, you know this, this big Colosseum. And they would arrest all these Christians and they would put them in this Colosseum inside there. They would fill this, sell tickets. Everybody would eat food like they're at a baseball game. And they would watch these Christians be fed to lions. Or there was another, another Caesar from Rome, who, who, his name was Nero, and he would, he would take Christians and he would soak them in oil and then he would jam a spear through their body and then hang them up outside of his patio parties and light them on fire. It wasn't an easy day to be a Christian. It was very difficult in the first century to call yourself a Christ follower. And these people got confused. And many of them, many of them either wanted to or quit they stopped running. They were, were unwilling to be unleashed. They were leashed by fear, leashed by their past, leashed by their circumstances, leashed by the internal struggle that was going on, on the inside. They were leashed, which is not God's plan for us. The book of Hebrews was written for those in that day and those of us in our day, and it has a ton of relevance for us today. And so let me just kind of dive in. If you want to, just kind of follow along with me. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, that's where we're going. Therefore, and underline the things that stick out to you because we're just going to live here. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes... On Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God, the throne of God. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's our passage. Maybe that's your passage for this year. This idea that, you know what, we're going we're gonna to run this race. What does it look like? How do we do it? In your notes, let me go ahead and just 
dig out this first part. In your notes, there are some witnesses that are surrounding us as we run this race. That's according to this passage, there are some witnesses. Who are this cloud of witnesses? Well, this is Hebrews 12, and if you look back at Hebrews 11, I won't go there today simply for the sake of time, but Hebrews 11, at the very beginning, it talks about this, this hall of faith. All these people in the Bible that, that did these significant, uh, unbelievable things in spite of their circumstances, you guys, not because of it was all easy, and in spite of their internal struggles, they had both of those things like we have even today. They had incredible uh, circumstances around them. They had internal struggles on the inside of them, and they kept following Jesus. They kept chasing him. They kept saying, you know what, I'm just going to put another foot in front of the other, and I'm going to keep running. I can't run as fast as I want to, but I'm going to keep my eyes on the right things. And they did that, and they died, and all of them in this hall of faith were before Jesus actually even came on the scene. And there are people like Abraham and Moses, Moses' parents, the people of Israel, that demonstrated their lives by trusting God. There, were, there was Gideon and David and Samuel and the prophets, those who lost their lives because of their belief and their trust in God. These make up this, this cloud of witnesses that watch us. I don't get it. I don't understand what it looks like. I've never seen them. But they are over us and watching us and cheering us on. And their words, if we could hear them audibly, would say, hey, listen, it's hard. We get it. Keep running. You've now seen Jesus. We didn't have Jesus, but you've now seen Jesus. Jesus has given us clarity as to what this looks like and that he's coming back. So keep your eyes on him. Keep running. For some of you, maybe for you, this part of the cloud of witness, I don't know who, who it expounds to. And I'm just going to kind of expound because I don't know exactly whether this is true or not. I, it, it may be true for all of those who, who were before us that, that were people of faith, our grandparents, parents, people that were significant to us and that they passed away. Maybe God's put them in that cloud of witnesses and they allow us, they, God allows them to see what we're doing and see us running. And maybe they continue to pray for us as we, as we move toward him and move toward Jesus. Maybe one day when you die, your kids are going to look at you, and maybe you're a part of that cloud of witnesses that are just cheering them on, asking God to help them run this race with perseverance. In your notes, there are some things that hinder us or t- entangle us up so that we that keep us from running the race. Let me say it again. There are some things that can hinder us or tangle us up that can keep us from running this race. It's clear, and it's true. And you may wonder why there are times in your life where, you know what, you've been following Jesus and things are good and all of a sudden you're just struggling. It feels like you, you, you've got no motion, no movement, that you're running in mud, you're running in quicksand, everything seemed to be going fine and all of a sudden you just struggle. Why is that? Why am I struggling? Because there are things, according to Hebrews 12, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. What are those things? I don't know. Your question today is, what are those things that hinder you? And what are the sins that so easily entangle you that keep you from running this race? If you would spend 10 to 15 minutes this week asking that question, it will be well worth it, very redemptive for you as you wrestle through that. It says throw off. Throw off, which literally means to lay down or lay aside anything that is weighing you down. Now, here, here's this. I, I, I've had this for a while. Some of you were asking me kind of questions about before we started. Here, this thing's like, I think it's 25 pounds, and uh, I'm kind of an idiot. I like to sweat a lot, and sometimes I wear like these nasty sweatsuits. I've got some weight I want to shed, and so I'm actually gross and sweaty right now. But here's the deal. I, I've got a neighborhood where my, my, 
my cul-de-sac goes up into this hill, and so I'll do kind of some CrossFit stuff, but I'm too cheap to actually go to CrossFit, and so I'll do some of that stuff in my neighborhood where I'll run up the, the cul-de-sac up to the top, and then I'll walk down, okay? And then I'll go hit something else and then, and then put this back on and then, and then go do it and run it. It's hard. I, I'm not very good at, at, at jumping rope. You, jumping rope is hard without any extra. I mean, I had enough weight to be jumping rope anyway, and so, and then throwing this this bad boy, and it's hard. I feel like I'm whipping my ankles over and over again. But, but here's the deal. At some point, you go, you know what? I can't run this any further than a cul-de-sac. And I'm not even supposed to. And my neighbors go, what is, what is he doing? What, what is happening? What is, who's this new neighbor? What is he, why is he such a weirdo? I mean, and I'm, I'm just trying to work, work out. But the reality is we're not supposed to carry excess weight. We're just not. And, and, and what the scriptures are saying is, hey, listen, when we give our lives to Jesus, we lay them down at the foot of the cross And what's weird about us is here's what we do. We go, thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for being Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful in our song time? And then here's what we do. Thank you, Lord, for church. That was awesome. Let me just put this back on and go about my day. And then we're carrying our past. Why do we do that? We don't have to. The author of Hebrews says, hey, listen, shed that stuff. Stop living leashed. Live new. Lay this stuff down. Do battle against the enemy. Don't allow your story to be written that way. Your past is not who you are. It's who you were. Jesus says, no, you're saved. You're forgiven. You're adopted. You're free. Be free. Live free. And you know what? Jordan just gave you the sermon right here. Hey, here it is. Three things you want fire to consume. It's God's word. It's, it's, it's spending time with him in, in prayer and it's people. It's why we give you 2020 all the time. It's so frustrating as a pastor to talk to some of you and we're just trying to get you to be unleashed people. And you go, yeah, I know, I got the bookmark. <laughs> Is it doing anything else than holding a spot in your Bible? Don't be leashed. You don't have to be leashed. The enemy wants you to be leashed. He wants to point you back to who you were, not who you are, and, and remind you of, of, of what you did and not what Jesus did. He wants you to be leashed. Unleashed for him. Has anybody noticed that this stand keeps going up and down? Is it weird? It's just going up and down. It's weird. I'm like, is, is, this, is it me? Is it... I don't know. Anyway, and the eyes are getting bad. So anyway, in this, here's the thing. Let, let me just say this. In this passage, what you need to know is, you, and you go back to this time in, in Hebrews, uh, go back to the Olympics, the original Olympics, and you start thinking about some of this stuff. Maybe you had humanities or you had Roman uh, history or you had Greek history and, and all these different things, and, you, and, you, and you, you realize what happened in that day. And here's the thing. In, in those Olympics, you need to know this. Only men participated. Only men, you know, raced, fought, wrestled, through stuff, whatever. It was only men. And here's the, here's the crazy thing. I don't know if you realize this or not. When they competed, they were naked completely. Completely naked. I mean, listen. Tennis, still gross, all right? But, but at least you got a net between you and another dude. I mean, that's one thing. If you're a wrestler, no thank you, all right? Even those singlets, no, no, 
No, no, no. I know Corey's an awesome wrestler. No, I, I may be the best wrestler. I could be the, like the rock wrestler. I would never wrestle because I, I just don't want to be, I don't want to touch a dude. It's weird. I don't know. I just don't. But, but here's the thing. In this, they ran. I, I, I ran track in college. I was a high jumper in college. I mean, don't, don't even start thinking that way. I mean, it's just a weird visual to think about all of our sports today that way with nothing on. But here's what's interesting. This is cool. All right, first off, let me just say this. Aren't you glad the NFL doesn't have that same rule? I just had a picture. Think about this for a second, all right? right, Aren't you glad? Put your clothes on, all right? I'm not buying the NFL ticket at all, ever, 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 all right? Uh, You may love football, but you would stop in a moment. It's like, they have helmets on and that's it? No, no, I'm not watching this. Let's watch whatever you want, honey. All right, so, but but in this, here's what's interesting about this, this passage and about what was going on that day, Okay? Just like our Olympics today, there's all this pageantry, there's this, you know, there's this, everybody walks in and all this music and all this celebration. All the athletes would come in in that day. They would wear their crowns, their awards, their ribbons. They would wear all this stuff and they would wear these, these big flowing robes. Basically, to come in and let everybody know, hey, listen, I'm awesome. I'm like the best, and I want you to know it. And it was a way to kind of talk trash to people. Look at all the crowns that I have. Look at all the things that I've done. Look how amazing I am as an athlete. You're not going to beat me in this event because look how good I am. And what's interesting is that in this, when it's time for them to race, they got to take all that off. They don't get to keep all of those things. And what's, you know, it doesn't matter. And here's what's cool. It doesn't matter how good you were before. It doesn't matter how bad you were before. It doesn't matter how many awards you had before. The fact of the matter is, is that, you know what? You're getting ready to run a race, and you've got to lay all that stuff down. You cannot run this race with all that stuff on you. They also wore these white flowing robes. These robes symbolized that, you know, they, they would come in, they would look like kings. And, and, and at the end of the day, you had to also take those things off because those things would keep you, would inhibit you from, from running. I mean, if you wore a robe, you know, I don't have a robe, but if you had like one of these terry cloth bathrobes and you're like down in the mark and, and, they, and they call you up and then boom, two seconds, you're down. You're just going down. You have to take those things off. Hebrews says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Here's what's critical. In your notes, write this down. We have two big obstacles that keep us from running this race for Christ. Here they are. It's our past and it's our pride. And you know what? In Jordan's story, he talked about it. In Zach's story, he kind of even talked about it. It's in all of our stories. The number one contributors to you not running an unleashed life is your past or your pride. And I don't have the time today to give you those verses, but these verses are in your notes. Maybe you need to wrestle with that if your past has been the thing that's kept you from, from really fully running the way that you need to. Because God's saying, hey, listen, I don't hold that stuff against you. You're forgiven, you're free. There's no condemnation for those of you who are in me. You are no longer under law, but under grace. Trust me, walk with me. I'm beckoning you forward. I want you to run the race that I've asked you to run, a race that's been marked out for you. Maybe for you it's your past, maybe for you it's your pride. For some of you in the room, it's your pride. It's your fear of, 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 of getting in front of somebody or getting in front of God's word or your, your fear of taking a step into serving somewhere in some capacity. It's your fear of being found out. And so you wear this robe that, that communicates to everybody, you're good, you're fine, you're spiritually perfect, you're better than everybody else, or that you've got it all figured out and you don't have any cracks 
in your game. And it's just not true. And we all feel that way. We all act that way at times. And the reality is, this author says, hey, listen, if you want to run this race, you got to throw off everything. The stuff that, that, that hinders us, the sin that so easily entangles us. Two questions for you. And these are the million-dollar questions for, the, for 2017. What do you need to throw off? And what are the sins that so easily entangle you? Is it your past? Is it your pride that keeps you from following In your notes, we're called to run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. We're called to run a race of perseverance, which means uh, patient endurance. This is not a sprint, it's a marathon. It means that it's not about just starting the race, because here's the deal, anybody can can get up on the line, and when when the, the, the horn goes off or the gun goes off, anybody can run, anybody. But it's not about starting, it's about finishing the race. God wants us to finish the race, and there's a specific race marked out for us. Okay? You, may not supposed to, you may not ever go to, to YWAM like, like Jordan's going to do. You may not ever serve in student ministries like Jordan is. You may not do any of the things that he does. But you know what? God's got a, a, a race marked out for you. And until you seek him, you'll never know what it is. In your notes, if we're going to live unleashed, here's the key. This is critical. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus. It is one thing, you guys, to, to take all the weights off of us that, 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 that hinder us, that, that weigh us down. Yeah, that's one thing. If you want to run, then you've got to take that stuff off, and then you've got to start running. But you, you want to make sure you're running in the right direction, so you've got to fix your eyes on the right things. What are those things? Where are those places? Where is God leading me? And so the reality is it's, it's not enough just to take those weights off and just start going to church. It's going, I've got to fix my eyes on, on Jesus. Where is the prize? Where is the finish line? What am I after? What am I chasing? Because if you don't fix your eyes on Jesus, even though you've taken that weight off, you just might be running, and you might not be going anywhere or in the right direction. We fix our eyes on Jesus, and it says this, the the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. Jesus is the one who started the, the faith that we have, and he promises to complete the work that he has for us, Philippians 1, 6. I like this one. Jesus is the one that got us into this, and he is the one that promises to see us through this to the very end of our race. And let me tell you, some of you are in a cruddy, crappy, difficult season of your life. This leg of the race is horrible. Jesus is saying, hey, keep running. Just keep running. Some of you, you know what? There's a calm right now, and he's saying, just keep running. Keep, keep running. How do we know that he's going to help us finish this race? That's the big question. It's like, hey, you can, you can sit over there, and if you never run a marathon, you can tell me how to run a marathon. But if you never ran a marathon, it's difficult for you to ever have much to say to me. How do we know that Jesus is, is going to walk us through and be there with us every step of the way through this, this race called life, this race called faith? It's in this last part of this verse 2 and verse 3. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Here's why. Here's how we know that we can run. Here's how we know that we can keep going. Here's how we know that we can finish. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners 
so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your notes, keep your eyes on the one who joyfully endured the cross for us and is faithful in every part of our race. Keep your eyes on him. This Jesus that we keep our eyes on is not some, you know, sissified, cheesy Mr. Rogers with Rick Springfield hair hugging a sheep trying to tell everybody to get along. That is not the Jesus that we keep our eyes on. That is not the Jesus that we fix our eyes on. It is a Jesus who said, listen, the cross, I'll do that. I'm in. I'm in. I'll do that for you. And I'll do that, for, I'll do that with joy because I love you. And you know what? This is the race that the Father's marked out for me and I'm going to run it and be faithful in it I finished my race, Jesus saying this. I was faithful, and I will be faithful to you. In fact, in Hebrews it says, hey, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, says the Lord. He's enough for you in your past. He's enough for you in this present. He's enough for you, and he will help you finish the race that God's marked out for you. So hold on. Eyes up and on him. Grab some people to run with. Let's keep our eyes on who he is. Let me just close by reading this passage again, and then Lauren's going to close us out. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. See if it makes a little bit more sense as we read it together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, Jesus said, Hey, I'll endure the pain, I'll endure the embarrassment. I'll endure the whipping, the persecution. They, they spit on me. They, they called me everything. They broke my heart, but I did it for them, and I did it for you, and I was beaten beyond recognition. That was, my, that was my race. That's what Jesus says. He took the scrutiny from the Romans. He took the persecution from the Pharisees. He took the weight of our sin, and he took the wrath of the Father, and he did it willingly, joyfully, sacrificially. He did that for us. He did that for you. That's the God who wants us unleashed. That's the God who wants us free. That's the God who wants us to lay down our past, to, to do battle against sin, to keep our eyes on him, to keep running this race with God's best intentions and his purpose, to run with perseverance, to not just start well, but to keep running and to never quit. Let's run in such a way as to get the crown Let's run with gratitude because of, of our Savior who laid down everything, who said, I'm in, I'm in for them, I'm in for this church, I'm in for this community, I'm in for the world. Let's not quit. Let's don't stop running. He's with us. It's worth it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for Hebrews chapter 12 and the power that's found in it. And God, today as I, I think about and I look out over this crowd, I think about people that are struggling and I know quite a few of them. And there are some in the room that I don't know their stories at all. 
But Lord, I just ask that you would encourage them. I pray that you would remind them that it's worth it. I pray that you would remind them that you are faithful, God. You're enough. I pray for those in the room that are, are trying to figure out who you are, Jesus, and I pray that you would give them a picture of who you are. And, and God, if, if, if it's time that they would accept you and make you Lord and Savior of their lives. Lord, I thank you that we don't have to carry our past anymore. We don't have to be who we were. We can let all that stuff go because of you, Jesus. And Lord, I ask that you would be more than enough, that you would be gracious and good. Thank you for the hope that's found in your word. Thank you that you don't just tell us to run, but you ran. And because of that, we know that you'll be enough for us. Thank you, God, for your grace, and we love you. We ask that you would do your work in us this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.